The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. Hello and many thanks for joining me for another episode of Climate Matters. I'm Lindsay Wood, I'm the Director of Climate Strategy Company Resilience Limited, and Climate Matters is brought to you by Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access radio station. Fresh FM broadcasts in Blenheim on 88.9, to Eastern Golden Bay on 95.0, to the Nelson CBD on 107.2, and across the Nelson-Tasman region on 104.8. It's also streamed to the planet on freshfm.net and podcasts of Climate Matters and of other locally produced shows are available through freshfm.net and through the accessmedia.nz app. Well, today we're going to cover Climate Matters number 87, which has only just been issued a few minutes ago. So we're out of the archives again and into a current copy this time round. Thank you. Uh, it's the 100th issue of Climate Matters. It's not actually issue 100 because we've had several specials on the way through. And so, in fact, 13 specials. So you add that on to Climate Matters 87 and that gives us a total of 100 Climate Matters that have gone out. It's also the first one hot on the heels of the surprise resignation of Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. So I want to pay a salute to her to wish her all the very best in the future and to thank her for all that she has done in so many ways for the country and around the world. I'm not overly delighted with what she's done for the climate, to be honest, but I think she's been exemplary in so many other ways that it's been quite remarkable. So good luck, Jacinda. Go well. And also good luck, Chris Hipkins. I haven't heard him say very much at all about the climate, as you'll see. Anyway, so what are we going to cover in today's Climate Matters? We're going to cover a little bit on New Zealand climate politics. No surprise there. There'll be an item from the Can You Believe It files, and then a bit of a techno fix with a difference called reversible rusting batteries. And we'll also put a bit onto socio fixes, which are more critical than techno ones, and we're all in the A-team is how I describe it. And then there's another take on the A-team, and that is in academic speak, a.k.a. being part of a positive pandemic, which references a couple of um, academic papers to do with social norms and, and the change in people's attitudes. We'll also have a hot tip, as always, and, uh, and then we'll also, I'll give you a little bit of my editorial, which gives you a flavour, probably no surprises there, so... Here we go. Whoosh! Climate Matters quickly gets in serious catch-up mode if I let the schedule slip. So we're actually, I think, about a month late. No, we're about two weeks late with this one. It should have come out right at the beginning of January, and it didn't. So big apologies for the big gap. It's really a combination of, you know, the Christmas season, and I've still got a bit of the long COVID thing going on, which means I don't get as much done as I like to think. Anyway, in the meantime, it's very hard to keep up because the climate stuff keeps rushing in at us. And so just as soon as I grab a few ideas on the way through, if I leave it for an extra week, then suddenly there's a whole lot more things to 
take stock of and filter out and so on. And I do want to touch base on the Prime Minister's change, as I've already wished her well, but what's my take on that situation from a climate perspective? Well, in summary, the Green Party must position themselves to attract climate-savvy national voters who can't bear to vote Labour, but who know Luxon, Christopher Luxton, has zilch worth offering on existential climate issues. We'll have a little bit more to say on all of that. There's also a brain teaser. I'll give you the brain teaser now, and then I'll give you the answer at the end. What is a green fuel corridor? And how long will the first one be? What is a green fuel corridor? And how long will the first one be? And I'll give you a clue. The length of the first one is thousands of kilometres. So you have a bit of a think about that and we'll come back to the answer at the end. Okay, New Zealand climate politics between the devil and the deep blue overheated sea is how I've introduced that. Once again, democracy seems incapable of tackling the climate crisis. Ex-Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern's famous Our Nuclear Free Moment statement at the beginning and We Won't Be Slow Followers on Climate. Both of them wound up having a pretty hollow ring about them, didn't they? But uh, now they happen to see a little bit uh, more fanfares of hope than we're getting at the moment from Chris Hipkins. And having... um, said that I think he hasn't had much chance to speak as Prime Minister, but what he's talked about, I haven't heard him mention climate once, and that to me tells me that it's not near his radar, certainly not front and central the way it should be, in spite of all the other stuff going on. So uh, the fact that National Leader Luxton has has really proved himself to be pretty incompetent on climate, And you don't have to take my word for it. I'll give you a link on Newsroom to a Mark Dolder article in which Dolder says, the National Party's leaders' repeated gaffes on climate policy are moving from exceptions to the norm. In other words, Christopher Luxon is looking like he's more and more stuck in completely the wrong space on climate. So as I was saying before, I think with the election... Yeah, picking up stream, steam and stream, what I think is the best climate outcome would be to be, quite honest, the Green Party with enough coalition clout to be inside Cabinet and there calling the shots on climate. Um, whatever else you think of Green Party politics and social agendas and so on, they're the ones that push the climate barrel. And goodness me, does that ever need pushing? I can't see Chris Hipkins doing it particularly in something of a reactionary mode, trying to reverse the polls against national. But on the other hand, I think there'll be a lot of national voters who really know that the climate situation has to be addressed and that they don't have confidence in Christopher Luxon. And so maybe the Green Party can give them an alternative place to vote because, of course, the ACT Party doesn't do anything like that. Okay, we don't want to spend the whole year on politics. It's going to crop up often enough during the year, isn't it? So here's one, as I mentioned, from the Can You Believe It files, kite surfing cargo ships. A friend sent me through a a clip just today um, dealing with a little video link on 
a thing called Sea Wings, and we'll put a link to this in the on the Fresh FM Climate Matters webpage. So check out the video clips for a fascinating and hard to believe show of big, big cargo ships flying kites like kite surfers out the front. Very interesting. Some of it I found unconvincing. I thought, oh, I'd like to see some hard facts. They talk about getting 20% fuel savings on these huge international boats. Um, they also talk about the way the kite moves. You'll see it in the video. It sort of swoops around in a figure of eight movement. And they say that magnifies the wind power by 10 times. I struggle to see how that is. But on the other hand, it is a thousand square meter kite. And to give you a feel for that, those that know the America's Cup boats, and if you go back a little while to Black Magic, which is the one, if I'm not mistaken, that's on display down by the Viaduct Basin, Black Magic's sail is 330 square meters. So if you think of what power that delivers, and it's right down at sea level, whereas these kites on the big ships are way up in the air, like, like, I mean, way up, 200, 300 metres up, where the wind is stronger. So maybe that power saving isn't so silly. I think I saw the figure of 60 tonnes of force being applied through the cable. So that's a pretty serious pull along for the boat, isn't it? Anyway, right at the moment as we speak, Airbus have one of their ships, the Atlantic delivery ship Ville de Bordeaux, which is currently trialling a half-sized kite. I don't know if you know this, but Airbus have their own shipping fleet that delivers parts between the factory in Hamburg and the factory in Toulouse and also obviously goes takes parts across to other parts of the world like the United States. There's also another link to other videos of the same sort of exercise there too. Okay, well, let's you know, keep moving. I talked about a techno fix with a difference, reversible rusting. Quite simply, says Matteo Yaramio, the co-founder of a company called Form Energy, quite simply, you start with metallic iron and you rust it, and then you drive it back in the other direction and return to the metallic state. Easy, huh? I wonder. And why would you want to do that, apart from if you're wanting to re restore an old car? Well, for urban-scale electricity storage, where, unlike electric vehicles, weight and space are not big issues, iron is inexpensive and with few supplier issues, fewer supply issues than lithium. So we'll give you a link to that. And there are also great insights into other battery developments, which we'll also post a link up to for you. But socio-fixes are more critical than techno ones, and we're all in the A-team. So this is a, a quite a different take. And uh, as we probably know, a lot of the discussion around um, climate, the climate crisis and climate action and that sort of thing tend to look at physical things, technologies and transport and energy and so on. But often the socio-fixes are even more critical. And it's not a lack of scientific knowledge or a lack of technical know-how that keep us from the crucial changes in direction that we really have to get on about. It's our own social inertia manifesting itself in several different forms, and we have it in us to fix that. Once we realise just how good life can be with a lot of the, without a lot of the over-the-top stuff 
that we tend to think is so essential, or how our confirmation bias is putting us and our family at risk. Once we realise those things, we can find it in us to change. And then when we do, and to also find out just how many doors open up for us to wonderful alternatives that are great for us now as well as great for the future. Now, if you're not sure what a confirmation bias is, it's the well-known phenomenon that we love to get information that confirms our view of the world and we tend to reject information that doesn't confirm it. So a confirmation bias is a leaning towards information that actually reinforces our view, even if that view is incorrect. So carrying on, as I mentioned, we're all in the A-team. We can all be part of that, that sort of change and, and rethinking things. But here's a more academic take on it. The A-team in academic speak, also known as being part of a positive pandemic. And I'm quoting here. Get your head around this. Achieving a rapid global decarbonisation to stabilise the climate critically depends on activating contagious and fast-spreading processes of social and technological change within the next few years. That's quite a mouthful, isn't it? But the key bit is, critically depends on activating contagious and fast-spreading processes. So that's the, the positive pandemic I was referring to in the banner that we have to get these ideas going out. We have to change what we do, how we do it. We have to change our thinking about things. And that's an academic way of saying that. That paper, which we'll give a link to, was written by uh, a number of top climate scientists, including, uh, for example, Joachim Rotstrom, who is uh, well known for the, one of the founders of the Swedish Institute, which deals with planetary boundaries. And the paper was called Social Tipping Dynamics for Stabilizing Earth's Climate by 2050. And there'll, there'll be a link to that. And then there's another paper, which is in a bit of a different vein, but on the same topic, Social Tipping Points and Adaptation Limits in the Context of Systemic Risk. So that's also uh, another academic paper. And here's a quote from it. Currently... The evidence base is limited and most of the discussion on social tipping points in climate change adaptation and risk research is conceptual or anecdotal. They're asking for more research on it. Okay, we're going to have to pull the plug on this, but before we do, what's the answer to the question of a green fuel corridor? Well, the answer is it's a low emissions shipping lane, the uh, the freight companies around the world are trying to develop all sorts of ways of decarbonizing. And the first one will be 14,112 kilometers long. And that's what Google Earth tells me is the distance between Singapore and Los Angeles, which are the two ports that are launching this the green fuel corridor. So get a load of that. So finally, I want to give you a hotter tip for a cooler planet. Quite easy. Psych yourself up for the long haul in election year and psych yourself up for standing up to be counted on climate. And on that, it's a good note to thank you very much for your company and 
fitting with that hot tip, Kia kaha for the climate. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.